your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman. You know, we are a week and a day away from actually having, I think right now in the state this entire country is in, how many Americans are looking forward to some football? Ratings may be through the roof. Next week, we take on the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl Kansas City Chiefs, might I add, who also received their rings yesterday, their Super Bowl rings yesterday. So they have a lot going on in their organization, but we know here in town, we really believe a lot of us, I'm not one of those people, and admittedly so, but a lot of folks around town believe that the Houston Texans could actually go to Arrowhead Stadium and get a dub. Can't wait to see. We got a lot to talk about later on in the show. I did mention how there's a lot going on in the country. Later on in the show, I did mention how there is a lot going on in this country the houston texans will allow the nrg to be a voting site i think that's very interesting uh tillman fertita also said that the uh, i don't know why i was about to call it the <laughs> the toyota center uh, yeah i was about to call it the compact center i don't know why but wow. <laughs> uh fertita did say the uh houston Te- sorry the rockets will be allowing the toyota center to be a voting site as well So two of the three big Houston franchises are using what they have in order to create space for everybody in the city of Houston to not go through uh, voter oppression. So I think that's pretty nice. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Cody, will the Sabercats get involved? Um, I don't know about that, man. Uh, we, we, they, they might, they might. That's all I got to say. I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, you know, speaking of the Houston Texans on yesterday, we had the opportunity to hear from offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, and he spoke about some, um, he gave a couple hints on some plans that he had for Deshaun Watson moving forward. And, you know, we're going to talk about those plans, but as you guys know, this time next week, as a matter of fact, this time next week, we most likely will be participating in crossover Wednesday, which is now crossover Thursday, but we will have an upcoming crossover episode with our guys over at Locked On Chiefs because, as you guys know, like John mentioned, the Houston Texans opened up the 2020 season against the Kansas City Chiefs. And um, I'm happy to let you guys know that the players and the coaching staff are already locked in for that very first game. On yesterday, Anthony Weaver talked about how he is going into this game with the mindset of defending Travis Kelsey. Now, we can go back and forth on this all day if we want to. But in my humble opinion, I think Travis Kelsey might be the best tight end in this league. And he did work on the Texans last year in that playoff game he recorded 134 yards on 10 receptions averaging 13.5 yards per catch and um you know he just talked about how physical how athletic Kelsey is and the fact that this is a guy who over the course throughout his career has continued to get better and <laughs> we would also say the fact that he now has that championship experience he's expecting Kelsey to be even better than he was over the past couple of seasons so I'm happy to know that they are in the mindset of getting ready to 
I'm going to say beat because I do believe that they're going to go in Arrowhead Stadium and get that very first victory. But I'm I'm just happy to know that the Houston Texans are taking the time to make sure that they prepare ahead of time for that tough matchup because even though the headline might be Patrick Mahomes, he has another beast standing next to him by the name of Travis Kelsey. In preparation for getting ready for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, we've really talked a lot about two phases of the game. Defense and offense, very important to talk about those two phases because you had a lot of new faces in this new place here in Houston. And I get it. I understand. You want to know what your secondary is doing after having the abysmal season last year, losing everybody and just bad play. You want to know what your front seven is going to do, how Ross Blacklock is going to do. You want to know about Brandon Cooks. You want to know about Randall Cobb. I totally understand that. But there is another phase of this game we talk about football, that's very important. And that's the special teams unit. Guys, check out the show yesterday. We had a very fun and interesting conversation about the secondary and how many cornerbacks are really fighting for a position to get on the field uh, at corner. Uh, but when we look at what we have on this roster at that position, Cody, what was one of the things that I said? Specifically when I talked about John Reed, if you don't remember, well, I'll tell you again. He may not see a lot of playing time at corner, but he will see some playing time on the special teams. Three years ago, the Houston Texans had a terrible special team unit. In 2018 and 2019, the Texans were at the top of the NFL in a category that's very important when we look at special teams unit, and that's kickoff and punt coverage. Opposing offenses, on average, has some of the worst starting field position in the league. In the punt return, DeAndre Carter had been very good uh, kind of automatic for 9 to 10 yards per return every single time he was able to touch the ball. And last year, he was third in the NFL in average punt return yardage. Bill O'Brien in this organization has done a very good job putting a very special and high emphasis on special teams play. And so the special teams unit for Houston has been pretty good in the past, but I also think there's another step, another level that they can get to this year. When we look at a lot of the championship contender teams, and one of my favorite championship teams in the NFL in the last decade has been the Seattle Seahawks, their very first Super Bowl appearance that they won against the Denver Broncos. That's when they really had that legion of boom that was healthy, a very balanced offense, and a very great defense. But they also was very good on special teams. Let's take a look at that Super Bowl. We know how they was on defense. I mean, completely shutting down Peyton Manning in that historic offense. And then offensively, Seattle did a very good job controlling the tempo. Now, when you look at where Russell Wilson was in his career at the time compared to where Deshaun Watson is in his career right now, we pretty much know that there's not going to be any controlling game managing going on. Deshaun Watson is, is a superstar. He's going to go out there and let it fly. But do you know what was very important about that Super Bowl that really took the air and hopes away from Denver, a special team play right out of the halftime when Percy Harvin ran it back. Now, I don't see the Houston Texans having a lot of kickoff returns, but on special teams, that's a play. That's a place where you have to take a lot of pride. And Houston, specifically starting from your GM and head coach Bill O'Brien, has trickled down to make that a very important aspect of this game. Drew Daugherty, who's a part of the Texans TV, hosts the Texans TV show on YouTube. He asked Eric Murray, who he brought in, uh, what have he noticed about the special team unit since he's got here? 
Murray's response was, you've got to have the guys who take pride in it. We definitely have a core group of people who take pride in special teams. The more conviction you play with, the better the team will be, and it'll create a better camaraderie amongst the third phase of the game. And he said third phase of the game, but let's not put – let's make sure we put emphasis on how important that phase is. Now, yes, you may want to get out there defensively and cover some receivers. Yes, you may want to get out there and hit somebody. Yes, you may want to get out there and run some routes. We understand that. But Houston has done a very great job. Bill O'Brien has done a very great job of kind of mirroring where he's from, that Patriot tree. If you're going to play here, we need for you to do your job. And we know you want to go out there and make the highlight plays, but your job right now is for you to play special teams. You guys know about Matthew Slater. If you don't, you need to go look up who he is and put some respect on his name. He is a special team star. He goes in every year and takes pride in it. Murray put it right on the number. Take pride in it. Houston found some guys that's going to take pride in him. There was already a pretty good solid bunch last year. We do know that Tracy Smith is taking over as a special teams coordinator following Brad Sealy's offseason retirement after three years at that position. Brad Sealy did an amazing job revamping this Texans special teams unit. Tracy Smith, who was already with the team, he's just going to step right in and fill that role. He's going to take this team to another level. Um, he's been a part of the coaching staff since he arrived with Sealy in 2018, and he brings 12 years of NFL experience. He's going to do good. I told you guys about DeAndre Carter. He's going to do very well this season. Last year, he finished third in the NFL in punt return, averaging uh, around 9.7 yards per return, while Brian Anger, an amazing punter, by the way, he was second in the NFL in net punting average of 44.5 yards in 2019. They have some studs on this special team unit. I love Brian Anger, by the way. Sometimes I give him kudos when everything else is going wrong. Brian Anger, I've seen Brian Anger, especially against the Buffalo Bills, really try to keep his team in. They have a good unit. And I wanted to give some respects to Bill O'Brien for putting this unit together, but also all of the guys, Eric Murray, uh, safety Michael Thomas, all of these guys who came in the free agency who's been here, I thank you because you make this special teams unit as good as it is. And the Texans were also 18.6 yards, only allowed 18.6 yards per kickoff return last year as well. So when you look at the offensive side, getting the ball, trying to get some extra yardage, Houston has done a very good job in that area, especially with DeAndre Carter. But they are also getting after guys quicker, quickly rather, and stopping them from really making a move and getting upfield. So they have put together a damn good special team unit. Yesterday we heard from offensive coordinator Tim Kelly and Kelly has some interesting things to say. And, John, you know me. I might be reading too much into everything that he was talking about, but I always want to give my two senses and give my spin on what I feel may happen when I break down these quotes. On yesterday, Tim Kelly was asked about Deshaun Watson's running ability. And Kelly said that Having a guy like Deshaun Watson, a mobile quarterback, with that being such a unique skill set, it gives him so many options to call so many different a variety of plays out on the field. But while he was talking, the conversation went from Watson being an exceptional mobile quarterback to 
him focusing on protecting Watson from himself. What I mean by that, he was later asked, how much does injury play a factor in what you do with a quarterback like Watson who runs the ball? His response, obviously his health. We want to make sure that comes first and foremost. We never want to put him in a situation where he take excessive shots. We are always concerned about protecting him and making sure we keep him clean as possible. I say all that just to say, I think Tim Kelly is going to revamp Watson's play and try to keep him contained in the pocket a little bit longer. Not only that, I sort of like that because now we have somebody who can help Deshaun Watson stop taking all those unnecessary hits because what have I been talking about ever since his rookie season, even before you and I took over this show? The number one concern with Deshaun Watson is the fact that he take so many unnecessary hits. Now, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Most of those unnecessary hits do create some of the best plays that you and I have ever seen on a football team made by a quarterback, like the time he got kicked in the eye, like the time he got out of literally a double sack in the game against the Buffalo Bills and still ended up making something out of nothing. I think Tim Kelly is going to be the type of coach that's going to Keep Watson from taking those unnecessary hits, which means that's going to play a factor in making sure we keep not only Watson, but making sure that we keep a prime, healthy Deshaun Watson, at least for the next seven to 10 years here in Houston. You know, I'd like to say that in regards to Watson's health, I think the first step of making sure he stays healthy, Houston has done a tremendous job of getting the big boys up front taken care of. Now, uh, we're bringing them in. Now, this will be the first year that they will collectively come in as a unit for consecutive years. And even last year, there was a lot of times where maybe Howard was out the lineup because of injury or uh, Bill O'Brien was just playing around with different lineups at the offensive line position. But I, we pretty much know who's going to go in. So he, they did a very good job of bringing in the big boys up front to make sure that that's not going to be a problem. But if I'm Tim Kelly and I look around, let's take away Deshaun Watson real quick. Let's just not even mention him. I have Brandon Cooks. I have Kenny Stills. I have Will Fuller. All of those guys are 4-3-4-2 guys. I also have Randall Cobb. I also have Duke and David Johnson. Sub any quarterback in. The, the mindset that I'd have as an offensive coordinator is let's make sure we get everybody the ball as much as possible. And it's very hard to do that when you have a long, drawn-out play because you're allowing the defense to get better in position to make plays outside of attacking them quickly. What am I getting at? Get that ball out quickly this year. Let's see more three-step drops. Let's see a couple, you know, one, one-and-a-half-step drops. Let's get that ball out. Let's throw a little bit more screen slants. Let's do, let's do everything we can to get the ball out quicker in space for these weapons because if we do that, then that'll really push your defense back on their heels. They won't be able to prepare themselves. They won't be able to get set. They won't be able to get comfortable. And how can you get comfortable when you have a 4-3, 4-3, and at one time, one of these guys can get the ball? But if holding the ball in his hands uh, going into this year is still something we're talking about, week seven, week eight, and I'm only going that far because in the first few weeks in the NFL with no preseason, these guys are going to struggle with playing against other teams and having their own chemistry down pat. And so I understand that. 
But get the ball out quickly. That's all I got to say. But I think Tim Kelly will. Uh, we, we've heard about training camp. We've seen some of the videos at training camp. We've seen training camp. And uh, Deshaun Watson has really done a very good job this year, putting a lot more zip and heat on his passes. But that's also because I think the receivers are getting to spots quicker and he's able to really hit them in stride instead of waiting until they hit the mid to end part of their route. Getting that ball out quick would do so much for this offense. We know and understand that we're football players, right? Like we're, we're paid to do a job. We're paid to go out on the field and play. Um, we know we have somewhat of a voice to be able to get ourselves in, in some rooms, but as an owner, that of a you know multi-billion dollar industry they have a little more access than us as players to be able to get in front of people and use their voice to take a stand for our lives uh, you know it, it's obviously when you look at different organizations a lot of the executive boards uh the people that are the top dogs at these at these um organizations there's, there's not many people that look like me that can advocate for me the way that, um, that I could. So I think being able to get them to understand that, being able to set up committees that bring in um, different voices to help with the understanding. Um, you know, I, it's hard for me. This whole process has been hard for me. I, and I was talking to my wife about this the other day. It, it's hard for me to understand the, the why, how we can watch a video, the same video, and have such polarized differences in the belief of a man getting shot in his back seven times or a man having a knee on his throat for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And this isn't a new thing. This is things that that we've traumatically envisioned of ourselves, of our brothers, of our uncles, of our fathers. This is <laughs> it's not a new thing. These are stories that we've been told. Now we're seeing it on video over and over and over again. And it's hard for me to understand the why. Like, why does somebody feel the way they do about somebody that looks like me? Like, like, what is the re? I really want to have those conversations, and it be an educational understanding of why you feel that way towards someone who looks like me. Uh, it, it it really has taken over my mind uh, over these past two weeks. Whenever I'm not in football, um, whenever I'm not with my kids, when I really am by myself driving in the car from the facility to the house or, you know, uh, in a shower, like it, it, it really captivates my mind to understand the why. I, I really want to know and understand. And if I can ever get to a point to where I understand, maybe I can accept it, but it, it's hard for me to accept it and move on. Like people are dying and I know people die of a lot, a lot of different causes, but there shouldn't be a cause uh, when when somebody that's supposed to protect you is killing you and makes it difficult. That was Randall Cobb during his media availability on yesterday. He spoke on the social justice issues and, you know, just listening to him as a black man living in this country, everything that he talked about 
is the same exact things that I've been thinking. It's the same as that. It's the same exact way I've been feeling. We just want to know why. Why do you hate me or think I'm a threat because the color of my skin? It doesn't make sense. Like he's saying, I agree with him. If somebody can sit up, sit me down and explain to me X, Y, and Z and make it clear as day, then I could accept that. But just like he said, that's not going to happen. And you know it's not going to happen. But as you guys know by now, NRG Park will become a voting site for the upcoming U.S. election. Um, voting will begin on October 13th and will run through October 30th. And of course, the big day, November 3rd, NRG Park will take place as, an, as a voting site once again. All registered voters for Harris County will have the opportunity to vote there. And also the Toyota Center, of course, where the Houston Rockets play, there will be a voting spot as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, all I can say, just make sure you guys are registered. You know, we're not about to sit here and push one candidate for another candidate. Just like Randall Cobb said, whoever you vote for, just make sure that you study and know what they believe in. Because... Yes, we are looking at Trump versus Biden, but just like he said, there are a lot of other names on that ballot, and those are the main names that we need to make sure we pay attention to. Those are the people we need to make sure they beliefs lined up with our beliefs. And you know, as admirable as it is to open up the stadium to be a voting site for the city of Houston, I think what this does is it kind of cancels out Sports and politics don't go together. Can't say that anymore. Cannot no. say that or use that excuse when players come out and say how they feel about what's going on. I mean, but to be honest with you, John, sports and politics have basically always <laughs> been one. I mean, you go all the way back to the civil <laughs> rights movement with, with Bill Russell and Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown. I mean, those guys had their own thing with the civil rights, you know? Hell, look at the, the 2000s when it was the war, war in Iraq and you had so many players, whether it was for the war or against the war, they spoke out on it. I mean, like, I, I don't understand this notion that sports and politics should be separate. But if you look back in history, it's always basically been one. That that just me. Oh, that absolutely. Just Absolutely. What I'm saying is for the for the casual fans or the fans that feel like players should just, you know, shut up and dribble or shut up and throw touchdowns, catch the football. It, you can't say that anymore because it's blatantly out there that sports and politics actually do go hand in hand. Let me tell you why. Uh, there is a possibility that the Oklahoma Sooners will be playing Missouri State to open up their season, and they're going to make that pay-per-view. That means they're going to charge you to watch a game that Oklahoma won't use to actually put their players on a payroll. So that means that's free labor. You can also look at politics and look at different policies for that. So the sports and politics goes hand-in-hand all the time. But now I think you guys actually see that you're going to your favorite team arena to vote. Whether you red or blue, it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, I mean, it really does. <laughs> One thing you have to do is vote, of course, if you're able to vote, if you're able-bodied to vote. But I do, I like the move for Houston. The two biggest, two of the three biggest 
franchises here in the city opening up their doors to give the Houston residents a place to go vote. And I, I like it. I'm John Some Sports Guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Um, today, ladies and gentlemen, the Houston Texans will have their final team scrimmage at NRG Stadium. Unfortunately, your boy Cody will not be there. Why? Because as you guys know, I also cover the Houston Rockets. And today, for some odd reason, there is a game seven in the first round of the playoffs against a team they should have beat at least in five games. Um, yeah, it's it's really aggravating. You know, if they do win tonight, that means that they're going to be playing against a well-rested LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers, making their route to a potential NBA championship a lot harder than it should be. But if you want to know more about the Houston Rockets, please go check out our guy, JT Gatlin, over at Locked On Rockets. But again, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to make sure that we bring you guys everything that we have to offer as we head into this new season. So, John, you got to be on it tonight, man. You you got to make sure you be on the team scrimmage tonight. That's why it's two of us and not one. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.